to me, they're like, dude, it's Africa hot in here, Anthony. What's going on with the AC? I'm like, I think Jonathan White usually does that. So I just went and turned on the AC. I'm sorry that you're warm. But uh, just that's the way it's going to be for a little while. So just if you notice something that is not happening that should be happening, just know, like, God's put that. That's this Holy Spirit speaking to you about going to do something that Jonathan White does, okay? Um, we have been going through Ephesians, and um, we are on, I want to thank Alan Love for, for saving me the most difficult part of Ephesians 5 to preach on, and uh, especially with where culture is today. I'll give you a hint. This passage begins with, wives submit. That's what this passage begins with, wives submit. Last week I was playing, praying like, dear Jesus, Alan, just get to the wives submit section. Just get to it. Um, and then the, the other thing, the other thing that is catchy and important to know about this in three verses later, it says husband's love, husband love. Okay. And so those are kind of the two things that we're going to talk about today. And I was over there worshiping. And I'm like, man, why? I think some of my anxiousness came from me, you know, doing this talk because, and this is why, you know, as the, as the, as the pastor of the church, my desire, you know, more than anything, God asked me, what, what do we want? What, Ailey, what do you want for people at River City Church? And I, I'm, I'm all, what, are they, what do you want them to want? What do you want them to experience? And it's always more of your love. I want them to always experience more of your love. Because when we experience more of God like we did in worship, we experience more of God's love like we did in worship, it just, it changes us, right? Like, we do things that we normally wouldn't do. We act, behave, love, care for. We are, we are just different as a result of that. And, um, and, and what's, what's hard about a talk like this is because our culture and the church has used this scripture to hurt so many, so many women, so many people, especially women. And as a church leader who wants the exact opposite, wants the women in our church to feel empowered, wants the women in our church to feel cared for, wants the women in our church to feel protected, lifted up, and, and set free to become who they've, who they've been created to be. When you start preaching on things like this, all of that baggage, all of that past, those negative experiences come up. And many, many of us, men and women, have been in relationships where people we were told to submit to or to yield to or to obey hurt us. They hurt us. They took advantage of us. And it's affected our ability to trust and obey other people, even people that say that they love us, even God. And so this talk, it's it, it really important, but it's also a, a difficult one. That I, I would just ask you that um, if I say something that hurts or offends you, if you're a lady or you're a woman, I am before, that's not my intention, I don't mean to. Um, I want this to be an opportunity for freedom, for life, and for love, for us all to experience that. And I'll say this, that this passage of Scripture has everything to do with men and very little to do with women. Because in the marriage covenant, a woman's ability and desire to obey or to submit is directly correlated to the man's love towards her and how he loves her, okay? And so, and I'm going to back this up and give us context because really what Paul's teaching us here is that we're called to really submit to each other. 
Not just one, you know, it's not hierarchical this way. It's one to another. We're called to submit so that we each can become who God's created us to be. Okay? And so I'm going to read through the scripture, and then I want to create some context for it, right? And then we're going to go through it, and we're just going to walk through what the word tells us, what the word teaches us, knowing that what I'm getting ready to teach is flipping hard. It's hard. It is hard to come underneath and to allow someone else to teach you. Or to ask you to do something you might not want to do in love. And it's hard to love someone and care for someone that isn't nice to you. Or that doesn't trust you. Or that doesn't want to come under your leadership. It's it's difficult for both. Okay? So let's run through the scripture. Not run through it. We'll read through it. And then we're going to get going. Okay. Wives. This is Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body, I'm sorry, his church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, just come. Just come and do what you do. Open our hearts. We want the truth. We want more of your love, and we know that your word is the truth. And your word leads us into your presence and your love. Okay, so what's happening in this context? We've been talking about it in Ephesians. I just cut myself somehow. And, um, and this, is what's, this is what's happening, okay? So we're in Ephesus, which is like a hub of power, a hub of, um, of, 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 of money. It's the biggest bank in uh, Asia Minor. There's this massive woman statue goddess there that has like 72 boobs on her that's what she is and she is like the goddess of sensuality of erotic stuff of like all that stuff that you would imagine with a woman that has 50 boobs okay and so all of those things are happening and is a very male dominated culture okay very not just patriarchal but like oppressive culture for women, that women not only don't have a word, don't have a say, but they are almost like property, okay? And, and because it's a port city, you know, ships would come in, and men would get off the ships, and they would go up to the temple, and they would have their way with whoever they wanted and however they wanted. They would pay for it, and it was a business. It was a business. And so that's the culture that Paul is speaking into, Okay, and so when he's talking to men, he's talking to men and women, but he's talking to men in the church, saying to them, saying to them, I'm speaking to you in the power that you have. Listen, 
Because if you want to walk in the Spirit, it will look very different from how you're walking in the world, or how the world walks and treats women. Okay, so I'm going to back up now. I said that I would. And just before this, it says this. Paul says this in Ephesians 15 to 21. Uh, you can't read that. Okay, look carefully then how, this is just, just ahead of it. Look carefully then how you walk, not as an unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Again, he's looking around, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, Lord, the, the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so when that goes next, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. There's not even a word there. There's, a, there's not a verb there in the language. In the Greek, what's happening is they're taking that word, wives, submit to your husbands, and they're taking it from the verse before it. So we know, we know that these commands are connected. But we also know this, that the verb tense of what's being said, if you want to, if, don't drink wine, but walk in the spirit. Okay, so address, speak to other, each other like this. Sing psalms to each other. Do this with each other. Do this with each other. This is what it looks like to be walking in the spirit. And, and really what the language says is that someone who is walking in the spirit will eagerly desire to do these things. Eagerly desire to submit themselves to each other, eagerly desire to sing psalms, to sing melodies together, to address one or eagerly desire. And the commentator says, if you're not eagerly desiring these commands, as he looks out over the people in Ephesus, over his church, if you're not desiring to do these things, they're of the Spirit, then you might not be filled with the Spirit. That's what the language communicates. Now, we don't pick up on that, but... Paul is in an intense situation, and he's telling us intense things because he's wanting us to experience life in Christ. This whole series has been on who do we think we are. We've been talking about being children of God. We've been thinking about being kings and queens. We've been talking about being reconciled, that Christ has killed hostility. We've been talking about all these things about our identity. And then Paul says in these verses, if you're walking in the Spirit, this is how you act Within the family of God, you're singing psalms, you're reading, you know, talking to each other, you're, you're doing all these things. This is what it looks like in the family of God. And then he drops right down and he says, this is what it looks like in your family. Does that make sense? And so, and then what he does, this is amazing how Paul does this. So what he does, the rest of this section, when he's teaching husbands and wives how to relate to each other, he's, he, he's comparing it or giving us and showing us this is how Christ does it with his bride, the church. So this is how you're to do it because this is how Jesus did it. It's hard to argue with that, right? So we're like, I'm gonna teach you something and, then, and it's gonna say, just as Christ did it with the church. And what are you left with there? Oh, I guess I better do it. It's what you're left with, right? And so that's what's going on right now. And there's this, there's this intense environment and God is wanting us to find life in it. And it's the same as today. It's the same as today. There's intense craziness going on in our country right now between men and women, between roles, between things that are happening. And this is an opportunity for us where Paul's speaking to us. Okay, Christians, you want the Spirit? You want to walk in the Spirit? Well, let me show you what that looks like. 
And we've already talked about this when, it talk, when I talked about being reconciled to each other, like right around the election. But God's bringing it back around, and he's speaking to us specifically about our relationships with our husbands, with the husbands and wives. But this applies to anybody who's single. Anybody who's single, this applies because this is a talk about if you have power, how are you going to exercise it? For yourself, or are you going to lay it down, like Christ did, and, you know, for others to build them up? Okay, so if you are in relationship, friendship, you have, a bo- you have someone who's underneath you, you're a boss, you're a school teacher, whatever, you have influence over someone, you have authority over someone, this fits you. If you're under authority, this fits you, whether you're married or not, okay? Okay, here we go. Wife, submit to your, to your husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his himself the savior now as the lord now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands and everything the women are like dear Jesus. <laughs> no it's not everything it's not absolutely everything right if it's oppressive if it's wrong if it contradicts god's words or god's nature or his values of course you're not supposed to do that if it's oppressive of course you're not supposed to do that right no of course not so let's just start there. Let's just start there. That God's heart, his desire for you ladies is love. It's the best. It's the best life possible. It's the best life possible. And all of his commands are so that we would experience the best life possible. It's just it's the guys who jack it all up, okay? Then this goes on. Okay, submit. Let's just talk about what submit means. I, I read like a million translations trying to get to like a soft one, but there's really not one. There's just not. When you look at the language, it's just straightforward every single time. It's a military. It's a military term. It's used for someone who is placed in authority to rule over, authority over, uh, for, the, for the purpose of command and getting things done and all the things that a military person is responsible for doing with people who are placed under him. And that's kind of what that word means. And so what's happening here, and you can't lose it in the context of the, where that verb is originally said, you know, submit to one another. And so what it's saying here is, wives, you should obey what your husband tells you. That's what that verse can really mean or does really mean. Wives, you should obey what your husband tells you. He's been placed in authority. Why? Because he's been placed in authority over you by God. And because of that, he has headship. And, he, and you're being told that you need to obey him because of the position that he's been placed in, your family. Does that make sense? Now, in military terms, we think, yeah, that makes sense. In a football team, we need a head coach. In a country, we need a ruler. In a church, we need a leader. And name something. Name any organization. There's a person who is the head. There's a person who is the head. Now, we don't like this when it comes to marriage because what we associate with it is Power, downward, I will crush you and you will do what I want, when I want, and how I want. And it's become something that we've used to oppress people. But God's commands are to bring freedom to people, right? They're to bring freedom to people. And so, again, like, God's desire is for women, for you to have life. And if you're married, if you're married, he's calling you, this is how you have life. This is how you have life to the full. This is what it looks like to be in a covenant with someone in my name, we're being obedient to me. You're obeying them because I placed them over you, but really, you're obeying them because you trust me, is what Jesus is saying. If you really trust me, if you're really walking in the Spirit, 
then you need to trust that this is how I've created families to work. This is who you've chosen to marry, that you felt I've led you to, or you've chosen to marry, and this is the structure that I work within my family. This is the best structure that it looks like, okay? And so, yeah, so that's what's going on in this verse. And that is, that's hard to swallow because what, is it, what does it require, ladies? It requires you to trust God. It requires you to trust somebody else who's broken, messed up, selfish, gets angry, is impulsive. And I could go on and on. I'm just describing myself, you know. All of these things I am, and my wife is in a relationship with me where the Lord has asked her to obey me. And to trust him. You know, we love to say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. I'll tell you this. This takes a lot more faith. It will cause you to risk. I'll say this also to all the single ladies in the house, right? So all the singles in the house. When you consider who you marry, this is what you should think of. This is what you should think of. Do I trust my life to them? Do I trust my heart to them? Will they watch over me? Will they protect me? Will they care for me? Or or is he just a good kisser, has a lot of money, and you like the car he drives? (laughs) I'm just saying, ladies, when you you come to me and talk to me about your relationships, and you're talking to me about the struggles you have, and I ask you, are they a believer? And you say no. And I'm like, well, what the what? I mean, what, what do you expect? What do you expect? What's most important about who you are, they know nothing about. Okay. And here, here's the reality, folks, is, is that we, none of us do. We all struggle with this, right? My wife and I, we've been in this fight the whole week, right? I just keep, mm, mm, you better submit. Come on, woman. Yeah. You know? No, of course I wouldn't do that because that would not be good, Right? But, but any of you guys who know Laura, Laura, you know, like, you're going like, what in the, how did she get married? How, why did she marry him? What was going on when that happened? She has to submit to him? Really? That's crazy. I just want to take a few minutes to tell you how this works out in our life before I go on. Okay, so this is what we believe. We believe this. She believes that I've been placed in our relationship to be the leader of our home, to be, you know, to be, have authority over her, that God's placed me there. And uh, at the same time, the way that that works out normally is that we co-labor together, that God's given me gifts, he's given her gifts. And as the head, I'm not an idiot, right? I'm like, she's way smarter than me. So she does all of our finances. She does all of our like boundaries with the kids stuff. She does all, all the hard stuff, Laura does, Okay. When it comes to things like giving in, I do that. When it comes to spending too much money, I do that. When it comes to all the things I need to be married for her, that's me, right? But God's brought us together, so we're co-laboring in Christ together to build the kingdom of God. We're equal in the sight of God's eyes. We're equal in the sight of each other's eyes. We both are image bearers of the living God right? We're, we're doing this together. We're raising our family together. There's times where I'll ask her a question and I'll think one thing and she'll think the other. And I'll be like, no, she's right. And we're going with that. There's other times we'll, we'll talk about it and like once in every 50 million questions and like, I'll be right and she'll be wrong. And she'll be like, yeah, you're right. I'm wrong or whatever. But she never says that. And, uh, <laughs> right. 
very rarely, and, uh, and, and, then, and then there are times where we're not sure, right? So we pray about it. We pray about it, and so I'll say, well, what, what do you feel like the Lord said? Because that's like the Trump's all card, right? What do you feel like the Lord said? And if she says something, I feel like the Lord said this, I better have a pretty good reason, or the Lord's told me something, to go against that. Because the Lord's in her, leading her in the same way he's in me and leading me. And the same thing is true for me. Just recently, I wasn't joking about fighting the whole week, right? So we had this big decision to make, this massive decision to make, and we're praying about it. I call my intercessors. They're praying about it. I call the elders. They're praying about it. We talk to our city group. They're praying about it. We're not sure what to do, okay? And we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. We're worshiping. We made a decision last Sunday. We're here worshiping together on Sunday. I'm like crying out to the Lord, and, and we go home, and we have to make this decision, and we're praying, we're praying, we're praying together. And, and just, we're not getting a real strong sense of anything. And in the end, I made the decision. She said, I, I don't have a sense of it, or this is what I kind of feel. I feel like, she's like, you feel this way. I can tell you feel more strongly this way. And when it comes down to it, I have the, I have the tiebreaker vote. Someone has to have the tiebreaker vote in a relationship, in a situation like that. And at that moment, all of a sudden, I get filled with terror and fear because she is submitting and trusting me with something that is very precious to us, right? And I am also like, all right, Lord, thanks for this, you know? I'm accountable, and I'm, I'm under his authority. So it's not like I got this, like, free reign to do whatever I want. I'm on, God is going to hold me accountable to everything I do in my family, everything I do in the church. I'm going to be held accountable to him. And the same way, Laura will too. But in a unique way, she's to live that out on earth in a way that she obeys me as her husband. And, and so that's how it works out. It doesn't diminish value. It doesn't diminish identity. It doesn't diminish what, that we're in this together, that we're, we're fighting for life and doing life together. None of that. None of that. But there is, in God's economy, a leadership structure. I mean, Christ is in a leadership structure. God has given him authority over all, but he submits to the Father. He submits to the Father. Jesus Christ is an authority structure. And if he can submit, certainly we can submit. Because he submitted to the point of dying on a cross in a situation that was so unfair, so didn't make sense, was so wrong, yet he did it because he obeyed his father. He loved his father and he obeyed his father. You see, we will submit to that which we love. And so men, if your wives are having a struggle in submitting to you, it's probably because they're struggling to love you. And if they're struggling to love you, it's probably because you haven't loved them well. And that's what the rest of this passage is about. And Paul turns to the men and he says, Men, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll just unpack that real quick, right? 
Okay, so like he shed his blood for the church. He sacrificed everything for the church. He left heaven and glory and beauty and majesty and authority because he obeyed his father and he gave it because he loved us. He surrendered. His love was unconditional. His love is patient. His love is kind. His love, and we could go on and on. The love of Christ, that is how we men should be loving our wives. And we are horrible at it. It is horrible. The men, me included, the way that we have been leading and loving our wives in the church is horrific. It's why we don't want anyone to preach on this passage. Because if we believed it was true, we would live differently. You know, Paul talks about in this passage, you should be bathing her in the word of God, loving her in a way that she's becoming more like Jesus Christ, that her body, that you love her like you love her body. And what's getting there is like when he says two become one, it's like you're to love her because she is one with you. She is one with you. You are one. That's how you're to love. That's the intimacy I've called you into. And men, our wives are waiting for us to love them this way. They're waiting. They're wanting. They're hoping. They're praying that we would love them this way. That we would lead them. That we would speak truth over them. That we would prophesy over them. That we would, we would bring them into the Lord's presence. And there, there's a host of reasons we struggle to do it. But none of them are good. I've run through them in my mind trying to come up with one. None of them are good. And so, you know, like in this thing that Laura and I are struggling with, she's really struggling to submit with me, submit to me on the decisions and the things that we've done. And I'm reading this, of course. I'm like, sorry, Lord. You know, she's struggling. She's struggling to trust me and to submit to me. I'm not going to look at her because... Because I have not loved her well. I have not loved her well. Because if I would have loved her like Christ, then she would willingly, regardless of what I was asking her to do, would, would submit to me. There's a quote before we leave. I want to put up there. It um, says this. Husbands, no, that's not it. We've already passed that. It's the, it's the one that's not from the Bible. I made it up. Here we go. I don't even know who this is from. Alan was going to have it in his talk last week, and I stole it. It's from a website. I saw it. Okay. This is what it says. Husbands, in this Roman culture, men have all the privilege... But in submission, out of reverence for Christ, you are invited to take the lead in crucifying your privilege, your power. In doing so, you look like Jesus and can be part of a marriage of mutual image bearing and kingdom co-leadership. So what's the heart of what Paul is commanding and calling and getting these men to do in the midst of the culture that they have all the power, much more so than today. Men have all this power. He's saying, take that, crucify, nail it to the cross, give it up, give everything up for the sake of your wife. 
Let go of your dreams to make her dreams come true. Give up everything for her. And now what happens in this? What happens? We get to experience more of God's love, guys. That's the promise of his commands. We experience more of God's love this way. We experience more faith. We walk in the spirit when we obey the commands of Christ. I want more of the spirit. I want to experience more of the spirit. I want to move more in power. Paul's saying, if you want to walk in the spirit, this is how you love your wife. If you want to experience more power, this is how you love your wife. If you want the world to see me, this is how you love your wife. And when you love your wife this way, guys, the spirit of God will be growing and flowing, empowering you to do things in your marriage and in your your life that you could never have imagined. And when that happens... It becomes very, very easy for our wives to say yes, for our wives to trust us and to trust the Lord. This is hard. This is hard. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't need Jesus, right? We wouldn't need Jesus. I I don't want you, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, I struggle with this. This is hard for, I think, every guy. And this is hard for every woman that's in this room. This is hard to do. And, And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to discourage you. He wants you to feel like you're never going to be able to do this. Your wife's never going to trust you. Because she really doesn't think X, Y, and Z about you. He's going to lie to us. And it's going to cause us to want to just... Give up and say, well, I'm never going to measure up to that. I'm never going to be able to do that. But this is what I challenge you to do. Instead of feeling that way, challenge you to say, yeah, I'm never going to do that, but I want more of you, Lord, so that I can. I want more of you, Holy Spirit, so that I can do those things. I want more of you, Holy Spirit, so I will sacrifice. I want more of you, Holy Spirit, so I can lift my wife up, so I can serve and support her, so I can empower her, so I can love her in a way that she will just willingly, lovingly, and want to follow my lead. Come, Holy Spirit. It's in your presence. It's in your presence that these things can happen, that only these things can happen. But we have to be filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul's talking about here. We have to be filled with the Spirit. So who are we? Who do we think we are? We're children of God. We're kings and queens. We're all those things. But we're filled with the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit. Now stand.